Washington Place and Fifth Avenue by that entrance of PPG Paints Arena. That is where they should put the Jake Gensel statue. Because when you play for the Penguins and score four straight goals to eliminate the Flyers, you get a statue. Jake and Bake. Once that young man got started, he just didn't stop. This is the Mark Madden Show. And only three words apply when you eliminate the old enemy in the fashion the Penguins did yesterday. Delete! 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 412-333-WXDX is the number to call. Or you can follow me on Twitter at MarkMadX. The Penguins went 5-0 at Philadelphia this year. 5-0. And the aggregate score was Pittsburgh 28, Philadelphia 9, and you can't teach that. And the Philadelphia fans responded by throwing full cans of beer on the ice. And those cans were apparently hurled from the luxury suites, which goes to show that money can't buy class. Sid should have caught two of the beers and did the Stone Cold Steve Austin thing. Crack them open and toast yourself. Hey, everybody, let's throw a beer. We're all throwing a beer. Uh, Brock Meyer is back on Wednesday. IFC channel, by the way. Make no mistake, Jake Gensel was the first star yesterday. But what Sidney Crosby did to the Flyers in the series was an absolute bloodletting. It was the Spanish Inquisition dipped in Sherman's march through Georgia. Sid had six goals and seven assists in six games. And every time the Flyers came up for air, Sid pushed their heads back under the water. I have never seen any player in any sport take any one opponent and absolutely destroy that opponent time after time after time like Sidney Crosby does to the Philadelphia Flyers. Sid gets it. He's one of us. Sidney Crosby knows the enemy. But Gensel was amazing, especially yesterday in Game 6. He had the same stats as Sid on the series. Six goals and seven apples. Gensel just kept going to the net and got rewarded. Hockey can be a simple game sometimes. And yesterday, Gensel broke it down to its barest essence. Look at those goals. Mata shoots to a tip-in. Kessel passes to a tap-in. Hornquist passes to a tap-in. And Gensel returned the favor to Hornquist. The only goal involving Gensel that went against that grain was off the so-called trip by Latang, which Flyers fans bitched about. But Latang got the puck on the poke, and Couturier flopped like a fish. That's a good no-call. Now is the time for gloating, to be sure. But let's look ahead a little bit, too. Columbus plays Washington tonight in Game 6 of that series. The Caps lost the first two at home, but have won three times since. Holtby is back in net and back on form. Tonight's game is at Columbus, and Torts is guaranteeing victory for the Blue Jackets. So I'm betting on the Caps. Uh, 
that would worry me playing Washington in the next round because the caps the pens can't eliminate the caps every single time unless they can. Malkin didn't play yesterday. No word on the exact nature of his injury or how long he's out for. Obviously, you need him back. You're not going to win the Stanley Cup without Geno, but then again, the Penguins won it last year without Latang. Riley Shane jumped up into Geno's spots and did real well at second line center. Broussard had a good game too at third line center, and that's why you traded for Broussard. Center is the most important position in hockey, and the Penguins had clear superiority at center over Philadelphia, even with Evgeny Malkin out. Hadlin got hurt yesterday. That was a dirty hit by Giroux. Giroux left his feet. Giroux is such a punk. You hope Columbus wins tonight, regardless of who wins Game 7, because if that series goes 7, then the Penguins get more rest and recovery time. The Penguins were far from perfect yesterday. Matt Murray won, and he's now 10-1 in playoff games after a loss. But Murray struggled a bit. That goal that made it 4-2 Flyers was a nightmare, that goal by Lawton. Down the left wing, dialed long distance. Must should have had that. Sullivan said he thought about pulling Murray after that goal, but did not. Good no move by Sullivan. Murray knows how to win. He reset and regrouped big time in the third period. Uh, the bottom pair defense struggled, Alexiak and Ruedel. Ruedel just looked rattled. Uh, that first goal by Philadelphia, when the puck trickled through Murray's pads, Ruedel had plenty of time to make a better play than just doing whatever the frigate was he did that allowed Couturier to charge the net and tap it in. I think it might be time to sit Ruedel and play Matt Hunwick, who would be fresh and hungry. That's definitely a move I'd make to start the second-round series. But all that's nitpicking. It was a great win. Yesterday was a great day. The Penguins eliminated the Flyers, and I will never... ever get tired of that handshake line. Those scumbags can throw all the cans of beer they want. They can chant Crosby sucks all they want because the captain has made the entire city of Philadelphia his bitch. Time and again, Sid goes out there and rips off their testicles and stuffs them down the throat of the Rocky statue. F you, Ben Franklin. F you to Kate Smith. We got Sidney Crosby. They brought out the big fat dead lady to sing again yesterday in Philadelphia. That's just creepy, isn't it? Don't you think that's creepy? Who would you rather play in the second round, Columbus or Washington? We will discuss that in just a moment on today's show. At 4.30, it's the Hall of Famer, Penguins play-by-play man Mike Lang. At 5.30, the man between the benches on NBC, the great Pierre Maguire. It's going to be the best hockey talk in town, just like it is every day. And you can hear it only on 105.9 The X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. You don't have an option. You think it's the you show? It's the me show. Hey, what's up, Mark? Come on. The lights, the robe, the hair, the woo! The X at 105.9.
Washington visits Columbus tonight. That's game six. Washington leads three games to two. As mentioned, the coach for Columbus, John Tortorella, has guaranteed victory for his team. That's kind of weird when a coach does that. A player, well, actually, it's kind of stupid either way, but but how much is the coach going to impact the game at this point in the series? Uh, from a Penn's perspective, I would rather play Columbus and not Washington. Even without Geno, the Penguins dominate Columbus down the middle at center. And the Penguins have Bobrovsky's number in goal, although I guess they have Holtby's number too, the Caps goalie. But I'd rather play Columbus because it's hard to imagine the Caps won't beat Pittsburgh eventually unless they don't. I'm already sick and tired of hearing about the heroics of Sean Couturier. Played with a hurt knee, yeah, okay. He's tough. He played good, but I don't believe he played with the Torm MCL. I don't believe it's possible to have the mobility he did with a torn MCL. I believe Couturier should get two minutes for embellishing. And no matter how brave Sean Couturier may have been, no matter how gutsy, he lost. You can't be a hero when you lose. Today, all Sean Couturier is is a golfer who walks with a limp. He's going to need a cart. If you want to christen a hero... Chris and Rod Kogudas, he's a hero, a Penguin hero. This big moron with zero skill kept trying to stick handle his way out of trouble, and the Penguins certainly took advantage. And that's wonderful, because it betrayed the Flyers' DNA. The Flyers are moving in the right direction under Ron Hextall, the GM. More speed, more skill, more attuned with the hockey is played today. But they're the Broad Street Bullies, so they always got to have a couple meatheads. Gudas is a freaking meathead. No talent and all phony balls. The Flyers gave him a long-term contract, and he doesn't even belong in the NHL. Rodko Gudas doesn't even belong in the league, but the Flyers just have to have a couple guys like that Gudas and Manning, and Gudas killed him yesterday. That's why the Flyers haven't won in 43 years, and I just hope I live to see 50. And don't forget, Gudas hurt Couturier in that practice collision. Friendly fire. So the Penguins beat the Flyers in the first round. I'm equal parts happy and relieved. Let's be honest. The only way the season could have been a total disaster for the Penguins would have been if they'd lost to Philadelphia in the first round. Now we can just see what happens after that, and you either win or you don't. And I hear people saying, mostly the Philadelphia Stooge media, they're saying what a great season the Flyers had. That's idiotic. The Flyers were a 500 team. They won 42 and lost 40 in the regular season. They went 2-4 and four in the playoffs. If you get out your calculators, you'll learn that that is 44 wins 
and 44 losses. They're a crappy 500 team. A product of the loser point. The Flyers were lucky to make the playoffs, and it did not last very long. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. I'm surprised more aren't calling to join me in my gloating. I guess you just want to see how far I can extend myself, and believe me, I can go all day, woo, and all night. I'm not just your 60-minute man when it comes to rubbing this in to Philadelphia and to the Flyers fans. I'm your three-hour man, your 180-minute man. Uh, you got to love Jake Gensel because he really is a Pittsburgh hockey legend now. People are always going to remember the day Jake Gensel scored four goals in a row to eliminate the old enemy. I really do think he deserves a statue. That's like in 06-07 when the Penguins swept the season series from the Flyers. And back then you played eight games against division foes. So the Penguins won eight straight that year against Philadelphia. Mike Terrian was the coach. He should get a statue. Consider the big picture with Gensel. Gensel now has 19 goals in 31 playoff games. He's averaging .613 goals per playoff game. Almost two-thirds of a goal every time he steps on the ice for a playoff game. That ranks him number five all time. Number five all time. Mario is number one at .71 goals per game. Then you got Mike Bossy. Barry Peterson. He used to play for Boston. That's kind of fluky. He had 14 goals in 17 games one playoff year. That was 1983. Here's some Barry Peterson trivia. He was a member of the Penguin Stanley Cup champions in 1991, but did not dress for any playoff games. Obviously, his playoff scoring had cooled down somewhat by then. Okay, so after Lemieux, Bossy, and Peterson, then comes Rocket Richard. And then Jake Gensel at .613, who is just ahead of Wayne Gretzky. He's right behind Rocket Richard and just ahead of Wayne Gretzky. Jake just goes to the net and knows what to do when he gets there. But but that's amazing. He's fifth all-time right now in goals per game in the playoffs, just behind Rocket Richard and just ahead of Wayne Gretzky. Uh, the Penguins posted a, a video. I guess Gensel was mic'd up for the game yesterday. And he's trash-talking Drew something fierce. Drew whacked him. And Gensel says, you jinxed it. Last time you did that, I scored. And then he scored a few seconds later. And he said to Drew, see? See what you did? You jinxed it. I wish he could come out of a shell on the show sometime. That's, that's pretty good stuff. Uh, check that out on the Penguins' webpage. Web By the way, Gensel is tied with Cam Neely. .613 goals per game in the playoffs. Cam Neely, another guy who walks with a limp, courtesy. Well, I was going to say courtesy the Pittsburgh Penguins. Ulfie did that. But with uh, Couturier, his own guy did it. 
Hornquist returned to the lineup, and that was big. He had a goal and two apples, but his presence is monstrous, and he just completes the Sid line. Hornquist is an amazing playoff performer. Okay, we got Rick, Matt, and the Egyptian magician. Oh, no, my friend, Mo Salah. Score for Liverpool. Ah! We'll get to them just after the break. Don't forget tomorrow. I'm glad we don't have Game 7 tomorrow night because it would have been sensory overload. Because tomorrow during the show, Roma at Liverpool, first leg, Champions League semifinals. I can feel the tension in the air already. 105.9 The X. This is Patrick Hornquist of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. If I had a dime for every time the Flyers have won a Stanley Cup since 1975, I would have zero dimes. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. A a little bit of Steelers news. The Steelers picked up Bud Dupree's fifth-year option for 2019. The Steelers saved some money by doing that now instead of waiting till later. And general manager Kevin Colbert said, the Steelers believe Dupree is still developing. Hey, it's your fourth season coming up. No hurry. Develop at your leisure, bud. Uh, you were only a first-round draft pick, so it's not like there are any expectations. Some sad news, too. Uh, Benny Cunningham, an all-time great at Clemson, who was a tight end for the Steelers between 1976 and 1985. Won two Super Bowls as a member of the Super Steelers of the 70s. uh, Passed away today after a battle with cancer. Benny Cunningham uh, was a first-round pick for the Steelers in 1976. I had a chance to meet him a couple times at uh, various functions. I think at the Dapper Dan dinner one time. And uh, he was a real good guy. So uh, Benny Cunningham, rest in peace. Uh. The Pirates got swept in Philadelphia. There's some irony there. The Pirates are now 12-10, and 10, and they might still be okay. But they have now lost 6 of 7. We've talked at length about the fans throwing beer cans, full beer cans, on the ice once the Penguins put the game away yesterday. And during the handshake line, too, I think. Where the heck is the security at that dump? Because that throwing stuff went on far too long. Too many cans. What if a full beer can would have hit Sid in the head? Or hit Drew in the head? Okay, so good, bad, 50-50, but, but still. Let's go to a Shane in Boston. Shane, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Double M, what up, man? What up, man? Just want to talk about Chris Letang and just the controversial trip or no call, I should say, at the end on Couturier. Did you think personally that was a trip, or do you think maybe part of it is just the reps wanting to let the boys play a little bit? I think it was a real close call. Uh, I think he got the puck first, and under the rule book definition, that's not supposed to matter. But Shane, if you watch enough hockey, you know it does matter to the referees. 
And I thought Couturier embellished greatly. So when you take right. in those two factors, I'm comfortable with the no call, although given that it led directly to the Penguins' sixth goal and put Pittsburgh up by two, I can see where Flyers fans would be mad, but uh, that's too bad. Better it goes Pittsburgh's way than Philadelphia's way. So uh, to answer your question, it's a very close call. I don't think it was a trip, no. What do you think? I I mean, at first glance on TV, I thought it was a trip. But, I mean, at the end of the game, Latang was pretty adamant saying that he was going for the puck. Um, but well, you can go for the puck and still commit a penalty, and you can even hit the puck first and commit a penalty. But, but again, it's a close call, and I felt Couturier definitely embellished. I mean, Tanger tapped his skate with one hand on the stick, and he flew up in the air like a sniper got him or a, a beer can thrown from the crowd. Let's go to Will in Bethel Park. Will, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Mark, what were your thoughts on what Tang's play in the series? Uh, he was up and down in the series. I thought he was great yesterday. I agree. I mean, he's, he made a good defensive play to not make it go 2 nothing. Yeah, I mean, you know, Tanger is a high-risk, high-reward type of player. And I thought he was a lot more good than bad in this series. And I thought he was brilliant yesterday. Now, some people just want to criticize Tanger. And I went on Twitter, you know, the social media echo chamber. And uh, people were ripping Tanger for his game yesterday. Now, he was plus three with three apples yesterday. How can you be plus three with three helpers and still be thought to have a bad game? The answer is you can't. If you do that, you played good, but some people have just decided that they want to blame Latang even when the Penguins win, which is which is really kind of sad. Let's talk to Matt in the car. Matt, you're on with Double M. Yes, Mark. Hey, you know, when, when uh, Giroux made that comment, that sly comment about the Pens having that mini streak. No, no, he said uh, it would be nice to end the Penguins' little streak. Okay, little streak. Maybe he was... Refer, making a reference to their streak that they've had for 45-plus years. No, 43 oh. years, but uh, okay. but I'm sure you don't have the luxury of an abacus on hand. Uh, <laughs> you know, Giroux's a jerk. The only time Giroux ever wins anything is when he's a healthy scratch for Canada at the Olympics or at the World Cup of Hockey. He's a loser. He's a punk. He's a cheap shot. Let's go to Rick in Dormont. Rick, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark, I, too, was kind of sick and tired of hearing of all the praising of Couturier's toughness. It's not like he played the game in an iron lung yesterday. But um, the other thing I had a problem with is that, like you touched on, I felt like he embellished a few hits yesterday, and everybody's praising him being this. Well, he embellished that Latang no call, and uh, the referees obviously weren't fooled. And I give Couturier credit for playing through whatever injury he had, although, like I said, I don't believe it was a torn MCL. I know better the MCL than the ACL, but... To play through a torn ligament and, and play that well and have that kind of mobility, especially, I, I don't know if I believe that. But uh, he played. He played tough. He gave his team a chance. I give him credit for that. But I, I think you know when you lose, you can't really be the hero that Sean Couturier is being made out to be. If he does well enough to make them win and put them over the top, that's one thing. But he didn't. He couldn't. And at the end of the day, he wasn't as good as Giroux was bad. Mark, um, do you think he's their best player, though, Couturier? He was their best player in this series. Uh, 
That's a good question. Who do I think is their best player? It's not Giroux because everything he gets is hollow. He gets the, the the points when they don't matter and only had one goal in this series. Voracek didn't even have one goal in this series. Simmons was invisible. Provorov got hurt when he made mistake after mistake uh, late in the game yesterday. Gosta's bear was rotten. Uh, yeah, I guess by default, you'd have to say Couturier is their best player, uh, at least in this series. Let's go to Carl and Cranberry. Carl, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mr. Madden, uh, I know that Broussard played well this series, was great in the faceoff, and uh, played good two-way. Are they going to need him to start putting the puck in the net uh, as they advance deeper in the playoffs? Gee, I don't know. They scored uh, 25 goals in the four games they won. I think if Derek Broussard uh, plays good two-way center and wins draws, that'll be enough. And his track record indicates he will chip in with, with points when they're needed in the playoffs. I mean, so basically you're saying Broussard played well, but it wasn't good enough for you. No, not at all. I'm just saying he came in with a lot of uh, a lot of hype, being big time uh, Broussard with the, with these goals. Big game brass. Game. Yeah, you know it, they it won is. this series. They didn't right. I understand that, but I'm saying as they get deeper in and they won't be facing the Flyers in the conference finals, and if if Sid or Gino or whoever else, uh, you know, is on a, is on a top line, if he's facing the third line uh, defensive pairing, uh, do you think he'll be able to to, to step up? I, I is, is it going to be enough if he's just winning faceoffs? It depends on what everybody else is doing. Like, if Sid keeps getting 13 points a series and Gensel too, I think oh, we sure. could be content with Broussard taking faceoffs. It's all context, Agreed. and it is a team sport. Let me tell you something. Thank God when Gino got hurt, they traded Ian Cole for Derek Broussard. Thank God that trade had been made, or they would be and would continue to be in deep doo-doo. Let's go to Kenny in Turtle Creek. Kenny, you're on the Mark Madden Show. I know this might be cliche, um, but I just want to express how much of a true honor and awe it is to watch Sidney Crosby play. I mean, I was born in 1991, so I've only watched highlights of Mario Lemieux. I've been a Penguins fan all my life. But just to see this level of greatness unfold time and time again by a player that's going to be in the top five of all time, well, he's already in the top five of all time. Yes. And uh, as I said, it shows beginning. I have never seen a player in any sport consistently brutalize one opponent like Sidney Crosby folds, spindles, and mutilates the Philadelphia Fires. If anybody out there can think of one athlete who did that to one opponent so consistently, and I'm talking about from the first day Sid played against them ever, to yesterday's game, boy, I don't remember it. The only one that I could possibly think of is Tom Brady against the Steelers. No, not to this degree, brah. Not to this degree. I was talking to Sid about the Flyers this year at the locker room, and he said, I don't hate them as much as you do. You sure about that? After this series and what you did to them and what you did in their building to those creeps in the stands? Yo, buddy, you sure about that? Let's go to Bob. Oh, it's our good friend from the land of Mo Salah, Liverpool magician. It is Bob. Bob, how are you? Ah. Hey, Mark, how are you? Are you any relation to Mo Salah? To who? 
To who? No, I don't. <laughs> Mo Salah, the, the, the Liverpool scoring lo- machine. Oh, oh, yeah, no, I'm not. Uh, he plays great. He does play great. What do you want? Uh, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, I, I want to talk about, a little bit about this coach, man. i tell you, it's amazing. First of all, these uh, face-offs that they take, and it's pre-planned, and they go exactly as planned, like a first goal. And, uh, you know... Right, when they inverted the defenseman on that face-off and Sid ran the end around. Oh, my God. uh, It was pre-planned. You know, they go to the wall, go back. One of these guys is going to grab it, pass it to the tank, the tank shoots it, and Crosby, you know, uh, it's done like... We've seen this many times. Now, uh, on three or four, I remember... Solid took over about, you know, usually uh, I remember Rick Tockett used, used to do that. Uh, but this time, Solly did it himself. When it was three on four, how to formulate the whole thing, and we saw the result. And one thing I want to Oh, that you, three on four kill uh, with Shane, Dumoulin, and, and Kuhnhockel was, was huge. And they used kind of that flat line kill. But, but one guy steps up at the opportune time. And it's tough to see because it looks like they're flat, but but they're not. I mean, they are, but they're not. They were, but they're not. You know, it's just it's just those guys did such a good job reading, and even even four on three, which is the best power play, four on three, they couldn't get passes through the house. They couldn't they couldn't do what you should be able to do easily in a four on three power play. It, it was like a triangle. That it would always change. The the bottom would be... No, no, look at it again, Bob. It's flat a lot of the time. Watch it, you'll see what I mean. Okay, and one more thing about the the battle on these these guys. I mean, it's amazing. I love to watch them. I mean, when when Sherry uh, hit that guy like that, uh, and then when Claude Drew got hit by guys, you know, like three times... Kessel! Kessel went after Drew, Bob. Huh? Phil Kessel went after Giroux. I know that. What I'm saying is they, they, it's like a, being tough by committee. We don't have signs. We don't need – these guys have art. And I love this about them. When it was 2-4, I, I bet you 90% of people, including me, thought that, hey, it was a great decision that he didn't bring Malk and he could hold them for game seven. But what I saw after that, it was like I just could not believe. Bob, the, Bob, I'll the, let you in on a little secret, and thank you for the call. When it was 4-2, I was about to tweet, it doesn't feel like they have a comeback in them. But right that second before I hit send, Hornquist scored. So I said, well, let's let's see how this plays out. Uh, and I didn't think they had a comeback in them. Up until Hornquist scored to make it 4-3, the Penguins had been pretty thoroughly outplayed. But then they just spun the game on a dime and totally dominated after that. Let's go to Don in Washington. Don, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. Uh, I want to know your opinion about the officiating uh, in the first round. I thought that the Flyers would have an advantage thinking that they wouldn't call the games as close and they'd allow the Flyers to goon it up. But I don't think they did. What's your what's your view? Well, I thought that the, the officials caught it real tight in the first four games because those were all routes. And they didn't want to let a game that was decided in terms of score get out of hand. I thought they were a little more laissez-faire 
in, in Game 5, and I thought they were pretty laissez-faire yesterday, too. The Penguins, uh, they had, I don't remember very many power plays. I think two? Yeah, not too many yesterday, but they've had plenty of chances earlier. And well, finally, like I said, like I Carl said, Hagelin. don't interrupt me. Goodbye. Like I, we don't know about Haglund yet. No. Uh, like I said, the uh, the first four games were routes, so of course they called it tight because again, you don't want the game to get out of hand. But these last two, like the Penguins had one power play yesterday. My God, the Flyers had three. You're telling me the Flyers only committed one penalty? Well, there were some coincidentals, but yeah. 412-333-9939. At the top of the hour, I'm going to tell you about two moments that weren't talked about much that really went a long way in deciding uh, yesterday's game at Philadelphia. And I'll also have the sound from Jake Gensel and Claude Giroux chirping at each other yesterday on the ice. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Mark, huge fan, love the show. Because that's what you got to do. Hey, Mark, big fan and all that. I, 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 I think you're on to something. The X at 105.9. Got a tweet from Justin. He points out that this year the Flyers had a 10-game losing streak. At one point, they lost 7 of 8. And they got by because of loser points. They made the playoffs because of loser points. One thing you've got to say about this year's Philadelphia Flyers, they really knew how to lose. You know, since yesterday, I have tried to stick it up the Flyers' ass and Philadelphia's ass as much as possible. But I can never do that enough. Friggin' Giroux with this talk about the Penguins' little streak. And then that punk goes out there and gets one goal in six games, and he's minus 10 and makes how many plays that were dirty and cheap. The only time that Weasel ever wins anything is when he's a healthy scratch for Team Canada and Sidney Crosby hands him a gold medal he didn't earn. Provorov and Gostas Bear were combined minus 14. They couldn't carry Chris Letang's jockstrap in a suitcase. Or Dumoulin's. Or Mata's. Or Schultz's. The Penguins' top 4D was very good in this series. Wayne Simmons was invisible. Voracek didn't even get one goal. The Flyers were the worst team in the playoffs. And now they're done and haven't won in 43 years, and anybody who takes that franchise seriously or gives it any respect at all should be hitting the head with a full can of beer. Frank the Flyers and the mangy dog they made love to and then rode in on. The Penguins were down 4-2 on the road, and they persevered and figured it out. Mature individuals with a strong belief as a group, can navigate through difficulty. The Flyers don't have that. They can't do that. They're not mature. It's not a group that perseveres. The minute things turn to crap, the Flyers just wallow in the sewage. The better team won. 
But make no mistake, the better men won. No Quarter, brought to you by CW Electrical Services, helping you build the right way since 1956. On a lighter note, I'm old now. So I think a lot about back when. I do. And it makes me very happy that Jim Rutherford is here and the GM is such a big part of this. Uh, Jim was the Penguins goalie back when they weren't so good. He was here from 1971 through 1974. Jim was a solid goalie and always played his heart out. And now he's back when times are good. And times are good because of Jim to a large degree. Jim Rutherford makes me think of the people I knew at the games back in the 70s. Some of the players from then. We just lost my childhood favorite player, Greg Polis. And I hope they're all watching, and I hope they enjoy this as much as I do. Uh, we ran a couple Steeler notes by you earlier. The death of Benny Cunningham. Won two Super Bowls in the 70s for Pittsburgh. And the Steelers picking up Bud Dupree's fifth-year option for 2019. General Manager seven Kevin Colbert said the Steelers haven't ruled out any position when it comes to their first-round pick, but he says that every year. I love having Kevin on before the draft. Don't know if we'll get to that this year because of all the hockey talk, which Kevin loves. He's listening right now, I'm sure so. He can live with it either way, but Colbert says the same thing every year. One thing I do want to elaborate on, though, there's a rumor that if a quarterback dropped in the first round, with this year's draft being so rich in quarterbacks, if the Steelers could select a potential long-term replacement for Roethlisberger in the first round, they might do so. At first, I heard that rumor, and I said, no, I don't see that happening. And I still don't, but that's mostly because I don't think a quarterback of consequence is going to drop that far in the first round. But one reason I could see it. Steeler fans say, well, they got to maximize their window. They have been for two or three more years. they got to take guys who can help them now. So they'd never take a quarterback. They'd never take a running back. I feel you. I feel you, dog. But the Steelers don't think that way. They just don't think that way. The way the Steelers think is they want to consistently make the playoffs because they figure if they make the playoffs again and again and again and again, that at some point they'll go on a run in the playoffs and make a Super Bowl and maybe even win it. They don't feel you can focus on a particular year or years and say, okay, now's the time because the foundation of that is very fragile. So considering the Steelers just want to be good year in and year out, I could see them taking a quarterback in the first round if the opportunity's there. I don't think the opportunity will be there. But but put it this way, and this won't happen. But say Allen or Rosen or Darnold, you know, one of those nailed-on guys, somehow dropped to where the Steelers could pick him, or if the Steelers traded up and that guy was available, I think they'd take him. I just don't think that guy's going to be available when the Steelers pick. One thing I've always said about the Steelers, 
Don't think about what you would do. Don't think about what they should do. Think about what they will do because they have a unique way of operating. And once you figure that out, it's easier to see things as they really might happen. I'm sure the cliched thing will happen and they will take an inside linebacker in the first round. But when they say they're not ruling anything out, they're really not ruling anything out. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. In just 30 seconds, I'm going to talk about two moments. You might not have noticed too much during yesterday's Penguins win over Philadelphia, but they sure did influence the game an awful lot. We'll also have that Jake Gensel sound. He was mic'd up yesterday, and him and Claude Giroux got to chirping. I'm Mark Madden on the home of the Penguins, 105.9.